Hey everybody, just a quick note before we jump into this episode. We recorded this episode on selling on social before Facebook stores was launched, but everything we discussed still applies and is relevant. But stick around until the end. We are going to record an update on selling on social media with some details on Facebook stores. So enjoy the episode and be sure to stick around towards the end and you'll get an update. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. So Ryan, it's probably a bit maybe cliche to say that everyone is on social media these days, but... (laughs) As a digital marketer, it's true, right? If you're not selling on social media platforms, are you really even trying to succeed? And as the more I thought about this, the more I thought, you know, at the good, we don't do anything around driving traffic, which obviously would include advertising or selling on social media. So I thought, why not learn a thing or two from Ryan and your 6,000 clients experience at Logical Position? (laughs) <laughs> and today, so uh, Ryan, I'm excited to have you to school me on selling on social. Oh man, such a big topic and such a big opportunity, I think, uh, that so few brands are capitalizing on. Fascinates me. Well, this would be fun then. So Ryan, let's start with the big picture. When I say social, what channels does that really include? I would say when most people say social or selling on social or social advertising, they're most likely referring to Facebook and Instagram. It's kind of the big 800-pound gorilla in the industry. But there are quite a few other platforms that I would probably bucket into that social platform and the advertising and traffic driving that you can execute there. And so you've got one that a lot of people forget, and it's probably unfortunate for that, but Twitter, uh, you can still advertise on there. Uh, should you want to. Pinterest has some advertising. Snapchat, you can advertise on. LinkedIn is is a social channel that a lot of e-commerce companies forget about. There's still some value that be gleaned out of there for e-commerce, but it is you know pretty lead gen heavy. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great for our prospecting and finding just people to talk about. It's, there's a lot there. And I think it's underutilized for a lot of companies, but it's also, I think, kind of confusing to a degree on how you sell on a business social tool. Do you have any e-com clients that are doing anything on LinkedIn that you know of? No, I don't. But I thought that's such a great one that that you could run some highly targeted ads on pretty pretty easily. Yeah, if you know who your target market is and it's, you know, if it's a, just did a, a conversation with a guy that was selling to doctors today. And I was like, well, if you're selling into doctors and you know that there is a certain role at a doctor's office that always is responsible for finding your product or deciding to buy it, you could target all of those people on LinkedIn very easily. Right. So I think there's opportunity there. I don't think it's as much about, on LinkedIn at least, getting click by. It's part of the process generally. But with some of the other platforms too, like TikTok for some reason has just jumped out at me over the last just two weeks. We've actually had a bunch of clients reach out and say, hey, we're we want to get onto TikTok and do some advertising. How can you help us? And we're like, uh, we that came out of left field for us. We're like, we know it's there, but it, we were so focused on Facebook and Instagram with them that we hadn't been 
pushing for other channels. So that was on us to a degree. So I think there's some opportunity on TikTok. And then the other one that I think a lot of people maybe think of differently, YouTube has a very strong social component. And so, but it's because it's run through the Google ads platform. Most people don't bucket it under social, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think there's a component there that to a degree could be looked at that way. Yeah. A lot of people are sharing YouTube videos, right? And Mm -hmm. it's got a massive comment threads on, on videos. So, and they do make social sharing on there easy. So that's a, that's a good one to think about. Okay. So I had never thought about LinkedIn in the way you're talking about and really hadn't thought about YouTube. So that's that's really interesting. That That's good to hear. And TikTok, I just feel like maybe I'm too old for it, but that's a whole different situation. <laughs> you and me both. That's probably why I didn't have it top of mind. I was like, TikTok, what are you talking about? That's just Gary Vandertek trying to yeah, get people but, to like his social stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the minute he's talking about it, it's probably the, the immediate time to jump into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I'm thinking about selling on social, uh, are we really talking about advertising or actually selling right so for instance i've seen brands that do instagram ads right and i've seen brands that actually make their posts shoppable and you can actually complete a transaction on instagram now Mm -hmm. so are we really talking here about advertising or are we talking about actually selling i think it's both i mean i like the old adage you know always be closing always be selling like if you're an e-com site you need to constantly be thinking about how are people going to find me and, and buy my stuff And I think if you have the ability, because not everybody can check out on Instagram or every brand doesn't have that access. Let me put it that way. Not every site can just flip a switch and automatically be selling on Instagram without leaving the platform. Uh, It's still in controlled level that you have to have enough followers or you have to be invited into betas to a degree. But you want to sell as often as possible. And I think having that extra channel, if you can get that conversion on Instagram without them leaving, you do it. Uh, But all of them, I think you're going to be advertising on. Even if you can have the checkout on Instagram rather than your site, you're still going to be advertising to draw people to that checkout or to your page and constantly try to find new users. And I think Facebook and Google both have a lot of creepy data. It's not a surprise to anyone. And I think Facebook even gets slightly more creepy, but it is phenomenal for marketers. We can upload a list of our clients and then Facebook's algorithm can go find everybody on the world that looks like your current customers because they're more likely to be buying. Like Mm -hmm. if you found, you know, if if I buy your product and like it, you go find everybody else that has the same demographics as me, lives on a farm, has four kids, has too many businesses, has, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's like maybe 10 of us out there. (laughs) But all of them will buy. All of them will probably buy your product. So be thinking about both, but I think because of the algorithm, a lot of people forget about this, but the Googles and the Facebooks of the world, the dominant ad platforms, they've created a free platform for everybody and they make money by ads. And so they have an incentive to get people to click ads. And so on Facebook, not everybody that follows your brand, Facebook and Instagram, not everybody that follows you will see your your post. And so promoting posts, getting your ads out there, you have to, you have to feed, them, feed the beast to a degree and make sure that you're leveraging the ad platform appropriately to get the right content in front of the right people. Got it. Okay. So where do you recommend brands start then? What, what channels and how to, would you best utilize those channels if you're just starting out? Some of it depends on the size of the organization and the budget to start with. You know, if you're already you know, a $10 million online brand and you hadn't advertised on social, that would surprise me. 
but it, it probably exists somewhere. You could probably start a little more aggressively than somebody that's, you know, hasn't hit their first $100,000 in re- online revenue yet. But the general rule of thumb that I have for most brands is start with remarketing on Facebook and Instagram. It's all done through the same platform on Facebook since they own Instagram. And if you're remarketing to people that went to your site and didn't purchase, you'll get a good gauge of how, well, what kind of potential Facebook and Instagram have. So if, if people that went to your site, didn't buy, come back and buy through remarketing ads at a rate that makes sense for your company and your products, it indicates there's potential for prospecting or finding new users that haven't heard of you yet. But if people through remarketing are not coming to your site and buying it, it, it would lead me to hypothesize that finding new users is not going to be the best opportunity for you through that social channel. Because remarketing generally always works better than prospecting as far as a return on investment. So start there and also understand that when you move beyond just the remarketing pixel and the remarketing ads, social is not like search. It's not a demand capture. People, for the most part, are not going to a social channel to find a product to purchase. Generally, you're interrupting their flow of connecting with friends and family or you know, work or coworkers and convincing them to click an ad to go outside of that flow to look at a product, something they probably hadn't been thinking about before. Yeah, that's such a great point. I, I, you know, you really think about, at least in my business around conversion, right, that it's all about that capture, not the creation portion. And that's a really great point that if you are able to create that demand and then make it easy to do the capture or conversion at that point, then you're really going to see some great return on that ad spend here. Yeah, and understand too that generally as you move up the funnel of purchase, the return on ad spend drops. But I think it becomes more important as you're driving people to your site off of a social channel to focus on that conversion optimization. Like you want them to be sticky and you want them to buy then if at all possible. Like remove as much friction as humanly possible on social traffic because once they leave, go back to the social platform, you're no longer top of mind. Now you're going to be remarketing to bring them back in. So it probably extends the purchase life cycle, if I could say it that way, when they're coming from a social channel. Not always. Depends on how impulsive the purchase is. But you just have to generally be watching data very closely on social as you're looking to get sales there. Okay. So let's say a brand has been successfully selling on social already. What's the next step you would recommend? Probably the same as with all of your marketing. It's test, test, test again, test again, test again, and and not ever be satisfied with where you're at. You'll be trying out new ad sets. And if you haven't done video before, you need to do video. You're going to be testing new platforms. And so this is a it, this is one where it's easy to get stuck on Facebook and Instagram and assume that that's your social media marketing. That's it. You're done. You've got it covered. But if you like take me for example, like. I don't know how many years ago, maybe, gosh, I'm, I'm getting old, but pro- what is it, 15 years ago that we started on Facebook maybe? Like, I don't remember when it came out, but probably a while ago. And I was on Facebook for a while, thought Instagram was really stupid. Why would people just not want to read anything? They just want to look at pictures and then realize, oh, Instagram is pretty cool. <laughs> I no longer <laughs> really go to Facebook. I am on Instagram because it's, I don't know, easier to scroll through the feed maybe. But I'll go in on maybe once a week and check on Facebook. Mm-hmm. My mom's on Facebook now. 
she's not that interesting to me to follow on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> she's retired. She sits at home and uh, it's just not as interesting. And so people are going to constantly be moving from platform to platform, I think. And I think as Instagram ages, we'll probably move to something else. You know, people have moved to Snapchat. Maybe it's going to be TikTok. Uh, TikTok, there you go. Who knows? But you want to be making sure that you're aware of the demographic shifts. Maybe the baby boomers start moving on to Instagram in a heavier flow and all the Gen Xers like myself are going to fall off and go somewhere else because we don't want to be hanging out with our parents on social media. Yeah, this is what's really interesting to me about social media is it's so easy and I think as, a, as an outsider, obviously, I'm not running campaigns, but it's so easy to target different demographics because it's pretty clear what channels they're on and where, you know, if you want to advertise to the to the teenager, you're going to advertise on TikTok. That's just mm-hmm. generally where they're going to be right now. They're not going to be on Facebook. We, are, we know that. But if I want to, you know, advertise to uh, Ryan's mom, I'm going to go to Facebook, right? It's yep. just where it is. So... Yeah, this, I, it's something to definitely think about. But what I'm hearing from you is the core tenets of digital marketing apply to social, right? So whether you're doing ads from from Google or you're doing ads on Facebook, it's really the same core tenets. It's just a little bit different, perhaps, on the execution. Yeah, and and the important metrics are going to be a little bit different. So whereas Google's algorithm is fairly advanced and we have a lot of really quality data around quality score, for example. We know what goes into it, we know what makes up a quality score and how to manipulate it to get a higher one. Whereas some of that information on Facebook isn't as readily available and there's more testing and measuring to figure out what is going to work and what's going to be a good click-through rate. It may be different for different ad sets um, and there's a lot more visual ad types you can create on Facebook than maybe just text ads and shopping ads on Google. Understand it's different, but it's all the same thing. We're always looking at data and deciding what to do based on what the data is telling us. And on your demographic point too, there are young people on Facebook. And so if you do want to target younger people, you just set your targeting for lower younger people. You may not spend as much as you could on say Instagram or on maybe TikTok if you're going to teenagers, but there's millions and billions of people on each platform <laughs> so there's a lot of lot of eyeballs so would you would you recommend then that when a brand is looking to choose a social channel to sell on that demographics would be their first kind of elimination point or i'm hearing from you that you know obviously there are yes i agree there's younger people on facebook as well perhaps but would you still recommend demographics be that first you know, deciding point for where to start at choosing a social channel to sell on? That's probably going to vary quite a bit depending on the brand and what you're selling. I mean, almost across the board, I'd probably recommend most companies start for the first time on, on Facebook, Instagram. It's a mature platform. You really know what to expect out of it. People expect to see ads, click ads, and go somewhere else and get their, basically their flow interrupted. It's not an uncommon thing to see an ad and click. I mean, I remember one of the best ads on Instagram was somebody that showed me a paddleboard surfboard with a rocket engine on the bottom of it. And I was like, I didn't even know I needed that (laughs) until I saw that on Instagram. And that is a, now I need to spend $2,000 on that, even though I don't have a Now you could be lazy during your workout. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So start with what's known where there is a lot of uh, talent to execute for you. Yeah, because there's not a lot of people right now that are TikTok marketing experts on the planet. 
And so if you're going to go off and start on TikTok, it may be much more difficult to get the goals that you want achieved there. Start there and then branch out as you see data. So yet set the demographics knowing, let's say, let's say you're already going to target the younger demographic. And so people that are, you know, 18 to 24, you start on Facebook, Instagram, set your target demographics there, see how many there are, see how they respond because you have a lot of a mature platforms, just easier to work on generally knowing that you probably want to end up on TikTok as well, Snapchat, and expand out of that once you have a baseline to say, okay, I know that Facebook, Instagram, I get this return on ad spend. Let's see how TikTok actually works for my brand as far as a return. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, the digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. So, I get asked this question all the time, Ryan, like, what's a good conversion rate? And people don't like my answer generally Better. because, <laughs> yeah, one that's improving, right? Like, that's generally how you should be thinking about it. Is there a goal for brands when it comes to selling on social? Should we be thinking about specific goals or is there a percentage of a brand's overall revenue you prefer to see coming from selling on social? What what, is, what are the metrics that you think are most impactful and are there general standards for those metrics that people should be aiming for? Unfortunately, no. It is very similar to the CRO question that mm-hmm. it's, you know, an improving one. And you got to look at your brand and who's buying, why they're buying, and where they're buying. So if you sell CNC machines online, you're probably not going to get a lot of direct conversions out of social for that. But it's an awareness thing. You can do some good top of funnel work there that maybe it's not necessarily the final attribution is coming from social, but it is on the path. And so I think it's only going to get more and more complex as as we continue to get more ways to engage with people through different channels that I would probably never be able to put an exact number on it. But one thing I do like doing, and I do this in my own brands, I keep each marketing team siloed to a degree, like so the Google Ads group, the uh, social media group, I generally, personally at least, don't want the same team doing both because I want them both competing for a share of my sales. Like I want them to say, hey, the social should be bigger. Okay. If, if the same person's running Google and social, they may not care which one's bigger. They just want to push where it's maybe easier. And I think there's always a chance to win on social or win on Google, but I want hungry teams that are going to make that channel work no matter what. And so I would say it's, I always want it to be more, you know, but I always want, I also don't want to lose money. (laughs) So anybody can sell a million (laughs) dollars through Facebook, but some companies it might cost you 20 million to send, to sell that 1 million. And so it's not worth it. So you just have to be aware and, and monitor what's happening and where that social channel fits for your brand. You know, one of my brands, I haven't even gotten out of social advertising yet. I'm still trying to max out Amazon and then I'm going to try to max out Google and then I'm going to try to push on social. So there's just, there's so much you can do that it becomes mind boggling at some point to to where you can be pushing a brand. 
Awesome. Well, I think we've sufficiently tackled this topic. Do you feel the same? <laughs> I mean, it depends on on who's probably asking that question, but I feel like there's at least a, we've covered a topic and we've gotten some good insights. So Ryan, we promised at the start of this episode that we'd provide an update on the just released Facebook source. And I'm counting on you to educate me because quite honestly, I heard about it, but I did not read anything about it. So can you give us a quick overview of what Facebook stores is? Yeah. So, you know, welcome to the world of e-com where things change more rapidly than we can produce podcasts, <laughs> but it means it's fun and things are constantly changing. So Facebook stores is basically what it sounds like. It is a store for your business on Facebook properties, mainly Facebook and Instagram. It allows people to check out on the platform. Um, many companies were at least aware of the checkout on Instagram feature that was in closed beta for a while. So it's basically all of that kind of rolled into one. Facebook has an entity they're trying to release quickly to help local businesses that maybe never had a website offer the ability to transact online at oh. the boiled down version of it. Okay. And do you think this was kind of in reaction or response to COVID and a lot of retail not being open? I think that was the, the initial thought, but I think it was also quite an opportunity for the Facebook engine to push into e-com with a, with a lot of people paying attention. Okay. It's a very easy release at that point. Great. And so it's separate because I know Instagram is owned by Facebook, but it's separate from or is it somehow linked to Instagram? I know you could sell on Instagram for, for some time now, not necessarily in a store, but you could do shoppable posts. You can do shoppable posts, but those still take you to your website for transaction. Got it. There was that yeah. swipe up feature that was very popular. If you get over 10,000 followers, you get automatically put into it. You can get, you know, if you're a verified uh, Instagrammer, a lot of value to those. We've seen some great data, but this is the next iteration of that, which is you don't have to leave the Instagram platform to transact. Once you've transacted on Facebook or Instagram, they store your data if you want them to, so you can easily transact without having to put any data in. So it's just kind of trying to make it as seamless as possible. So a great, I believe, but one of the things people are going to realize as they start doing their research is when you have such massive organizations that try to move nimbly and quickly, there's some struggle. <laughs> so by no means is Facebook stores like just seem perfect working for everybody as they think it would at this exact moment. Hmm. In fact, even me personally, my wife and I are trying to get our businesses up on Facebook stores uh, with Shopify like the couple days after it came out did not work. It was not just a click a button, you are going. Okay. Um, you've got to have some things in place that will allow your business to work. And so you obviously you've got a, a Facebook page. So if you don't have that up, that up there, um, if you're, you know, going after people that are in the younger demo, younger than baby boomers, you should probably have an Instagram profile. You need to have um, a platform that can easily get products into Shopify. And so this where uh, Facebook in their post called out a few partners uh, in that the, the intro that came out right after Zuckerberg's live thing where they say, hey, Shopify, Big Commerce, WooCommerce, Channel Advisor, CED Commerce, Cafe 24, Tandon Noob, and Feedonomics can all. I don't think all those integrations are perfect yet, 
and I've tested on some Shopify sites where you can add the Facebook commerce manager, get the Facebook shopping plugin, the Instagram shopping plugin, and it'll be live chat, not perfect. So I think what most businesses have to realize going into this is if you've never been online before, probably the to accomplish that you've ever done. If I'm seeing articles and blogs from people that e-com experts not being able to do this of the switch, just their knowledge, then I would say look, at least test and measure some things, test some things. If you get stuck, there are going to be a lot of blog articles. There are going to be a lot of help, uh, things within Facebook trying to solve these problems, but you're going to need some patience for sure. So Ryan, knowing all of that, how does one get access to Facebook stores? You need to go in and set up Commerce Manager. And so that's step one, you know, like a great digital marketer that I am, I just go Google Facebook Commerce Manager and find it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not as, it wasn't as simple for me to find inside the Facebook platform. You also want to have a site that has like a, a site like a Shopify big commerce that already has a plugin for it. So you may need a plugin on that. Like our Shopify mm-hmm. site, we had to put a plugin on the site to get to send inventory over to Facebook. You've got to have something sending those product details over uh, along with inventory, what's available. Every business that has a Facebook page should be able to do Facebook stores, but that doesn't automatically open up Instagram stores or so we're finding. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So you need to do some research on your own and see if your business is able to do certain things. Uh, there were some articles that my wife came across that said, okay, if you try to do an Instagram store, you can't do a Facebook store and vice versa. I don't think that article is necessarily true, but the Instagram stores or the Instagram checkout is still closed beta if you go to that page on Instagram. Okay. So uh, we should state that there's a lot in flux here, right? And we're doing our best to get this information out quickly, but things are changing rapidly is what I'm hearing from you as well. For sure. So we're recording this, you know, today and people are going to get access to it probably in a week. And there's going to be constant change until we get to kind of like a homeostasis in the Facebook stores environment. And so we'll probably have to do an update a little bit later. But as of now, just know that there's a lot of moving pieces at this point. And if you're on a platform that doesn't have an integration already built into Facebook, it's going to be much more difficult for you to get that thing set up. Okay. So what does Facebook cost? I assume they're not doing this for free. It'd be nice if everything was free, but unfortunately, Facebook is a business and they have an obligation to shareholders to make money. Nothing wrong with that. They do provide a service for free for people getting their own profiles. But as of now, uh, they are charging 5% per transaction. Now that is, is great in some areas. So it does say that it includes taxes and processing fees. And so that could be good, but I, I do have some struggle with that because if your business already has Nexus in Washington, for example, you need to be collecting all of the sales taxes in Washington, which add up quickly. Um, if you sell in Seattle, you're getting charged almost 10% uh, sales tax up there that that 5% just can't cover taxes. So that's how I know a lot of this is going to be changing and updating because I'm not sure that it built out everything for tax collection perfectly because when you jump in e-com and you have stores like mine that may sell on Amazon, their website, retail storefronts. I mean, there is so many potentials for tax nexus that I have to be collecting that Facebook sells a unit there. I'm on the hook actually as a merchant for that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where stores need to be aware 
<laughs> that that's there. Like if Facebook doesn't collect the tax, nothing on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can, they're not coming to Facebook for that. They're coming to the person that actually sold that product on Facebook for the tax. Right. So definitely something to keep track of. I think we both know in, in e-com, I mean, there's whole companies dedicated to just helping you figure out e-commerce tax situations. So, and, oh, it's, yeah. and it's down to the street level at times, local taxes and sometimes stuff like oh, yeah. that. Good so, luck in California. Oof, <laughs> it's yeah. just not going to happen. Uh, so since this was released and it is in beta, as we were kind of talking about, what do you think is still being worked out with Facebook and their stores platform? Um, I, some of it I think is going to be that cost. Like they want to have something that works and keeps it simple. But as of yet, I haven't seen how you can simplify commerce to a flat rate for everybody in every possible scenario. Um, so I do think that's going to adjust somehow. And Facebook is potentially opening up for a local store that's never had a website to sell across Facebook, which is a massive opportunity, but also adds in massive complexities to a small local business that they never had to consider before. Like, especially if you're in Oregon, where we don't have sales tax, mm-hmm. that's just kind of a foreign talk, thought to us that, hey, I can go anywhere I want, I buy something and whatever it says on the tag, I actually pay versus not having to worry about it. You know, I don't have to worry about tax, but as I go to Washington, there's all kinds of taxes added on that as an Oregonian, I'm just not thinking through. So an Oregon business, you have to be aware that most of the country charges sales tax. And if that collection's not there, how do you do it? And maybe Facebook is taking some liability and some of their fine print saying, hey, we're going to charge 5% and we'll make it right somehow, some way. I don't necessarily think the Facebook shareholders are too keen on that. Yeah, not not for permanent, right? But I could see them yeah. doing that up front to get users and and to kind of buy their way in you know because it, yeah, seems- it would be great if you could simplify processing and taxes and just one number to know itself box yeah you're just taking five five percent and i'm done that would be huge and i think a great opportunity i have to think you know yes we're in oregon so not really up on every other state sales tax but i, I have to think that some there's some states that have more than a five percent sales tax right i mean so even just then, they'd be losing on processing or, or any of the overage right away. Yeah. And it could be maybe they're pulling that from their small business fund that they talked about. Where mm-hmm. They said, hey, we're going to release $100 million to small businesses. And so instead of giving them ad credits, they're just going to use some of that to pay the extra uh, to collect the data. Because I think some of it Facebook needs is that data because they've not done enough online commerce to actually have the data to know this is what it is. And here's where things can go bad. You know, unless they hired some high up people at Amazon that have all this data, (laughs) you know, that they could pull with them. I just, I doubt it. Yeah. Well, we all know that, uh, and this perhaps is for a whole nother podcast, but we all know Facebook loves their data. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll, they'll get it one way or another. So is there anything we didn't talk about? You thought I should have asked you about Facebook stores today? I don't think so. I think it's as a business, there's very little reason not to get into this channel and test it. You know, every business is going to have a different level of success with it. But if you're going to open up a massive channel, I think there's more risk to not exploring it than there is to explore it and put some of your inventory there and see what happens. I mean, I'm going to get all of my businesses on there that I can to say, hey, I want to be available where people are trying to transact. And if Facebook is successful at creating an e-commerce platform to rival 
the Amazons or Google Shoppings, then I for sure want to be an early adopter into that system so I can get as much data as I can get to make smart decisions for myself and any of our clients. So I would say get in, take some risk, take the time to study it and and just see how you can make it work for your business in your specific situation. Yeah, that, that's great. That's great advice. I mean, there's still millions and millions of people on Facebook. So it's a massive audience, right? Mm-hmm. And you might as well try to, you know, throw your store up there and see what happens. So, okay, great. Well, uh, this is really helpful. And I think it's a great add-on. As, as we said, things are going to change rapidly with this, but um, hopefully this gets people started. They know where to look now. They have some understanding of what's going to cost them and why they should do it. And I think that's, that's a great add-on to this episode. So, Thank you, Ryan, again, and uh, I look forward to doing an updated show in the future as things kind of settle down with stores. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.